You're listening to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you conversations for the health of all things. In these special episodes, I am joined by guests on the show to explore how the osteopathic concept presents in their lives and learn about their personal and professional stories. Ranging from osteopathic physicians to those familiar with osteopathic treatment to those associated with osteopathic medicine in a variety of settings, these conversations provide new perspective on lighting the way for the path to best health. Please note that while I am a physician and may interview other physicians, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey, back with another episode of Conversations for the Health of All Things. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Neka Ichoku, a family physician from St. Louis, Missouri, with certification in medical acupuncture. She helps women feel empowered, safe, and connected to themselves. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Dr. Beakey. It's an honor and a pleasure. Yeah, I've enjoyed following your story through the magical wonder of the internet. But tell me, (laughs) how did you move and expand from being a family physician to your certification? And how has that helped you with your mission of helping women? Well, you know, it's always evolving. Um, I think started off as a family physician. And I would say the story of what my residency was a dual program, MD and DO. Uh, trained at Medical College of Georgia. I think it has a different name now. But the osteopathic, then our osteopathic director, uh, Dr. Julie Dahl-Smith, she, she would have us through the OMT osteopathic, osteopathic manipulation clinic. And she also was board certified in acupuncture. And so she would have her osteopathic patients and her acupuncture patients. And we got to help her set up the treatments for both. And, um, it left an imprint. I saw how satisfied she was in her practice, the results of the patients, like seeing them get better right then or have that release. Mm-hmm. And it was intriguing, you know, seeing those tissue texture changes and being able to see different treatment modalities. It was just a different experience than, you know, the pills and potions and procedures of standard um, family medicine, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I, I still practice in that, but it left an imprint. So as I finished residency and started my first attendant job in the VA outside of Houston, Texas, I saw that the patients, there was a lot of need for those modalities, but due to our location, 50 miles outside of Houston, it's hard to get them into outsourced things to get to physical therapy, to get to a chiropractor, acupuncturist. And it's like, there was pushback on doing osteopathic treatment on the patients directly. Um, but I saw that other VAs were, were at that time years ago introducing more um, acupuncture. So it was one of those. And then the burnout of being a new attending <laughs> sits in. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, you get that flyer in the mail. And it's like, well, why not learn acupuncture? Um, and uh, I think it was just the one of the dopamine hit of knowledge, frankly, Mm-hmm. Uh, because we're used to that every four years, every three years in training. And so I did the Helms in- Medical Institute and um, it was it was challenging, but it was rewarding. And I thought, I'll bring this back to the VA. Well, that's not how it worked out. I ended up moving back to my hometown of St. Louis, Missouri, 
and um, leaving the VA system and getting into uh, a private owned health system. And I thought, great, I'll do acupuncture here. It sounded like that's the way it was going to go, but that's not the way it happened. So they were like, we like the idea of it, but we're just not comfortable underwriting it. And we're not comfortable with it being a cash service. So yes, we've used this to advertise and yes, patients keep asking about this, but we're not going to let you do it. And that's fine. Um, so then that's where Victoria's Touch um, Acupuncture LLC was born. Cause I was like, well, if I can't do it here, I'm going to do it for myself. Mm-hmm. And that's still been a journey. Um, you know, entrepreneurship, as you, you know, it's more than a notion. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, to make time, also growing my family and trying to build my family med practice. Um, I was able to still do some osteopathic treatment on patients, but then I started to get that, you know, that doesn't reimburse that much. Can you just focus on being a family doctor? Is it, you mm-hmm. mean just clicking on Epic on the keyboard? Is that what you mean? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of like the writing was on the wall that they liked the fact that I was a DO. It looked nice on a flyer, but even though I'm using my own massage table and bringing in my own, bringing in my own needles out of my pocket, it's a go. Um, so that's kind of what birthed the entrepreneur, entrepreneurship. And it wasn't ever meant for me to leave and go do something else. It was like, okay, let me do this on the side. Um, so that's kind of how that was born. Then now in the land of, of COVID in my own personal journey, mm-hmm. but then it was like, well, what's something that I can do virtually if, you know, I was literally about to launch my acupuncture practice, like during Mother's Day and all that, mm-hmm. and that got, got scratched. Um, I got more interest into emotional freedom tapping. I was already using it personally, but then I was like, well, why not get some certification to learn more about that as another modality to help people to uh, connect with themselves? See, the part of acupuncture that really drove me wasn't just the muscle skeletal, similar to osteopathic treatment. You know better than me that there's mm-hmm. more to the mind-body-spirit connection than just right. cracking backs. Mm-hmm. So the idea of the component of being able to help with emotional regulation and kind of those more internal med issues that are hard for Western medicine to help manage really intrigued me. And actually doing the acupuncture course made me fall back in love with osteopathy. Like I wasn't the, the hardcore DO in med school. Not that I wasn't interested or didn't believe in it. I just, I guess I'll say I was a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have that direct mentorship. I was just trying to survive through school. Right. But I wasn't somebody that if you gave me $200, I'd go be an MD. Like, no, I like being an osteopath. I just didn't quite get it mm-hmm. all the way. And funny, it was like when I was studying for boards of recent, it's like I fell in love with it over again. As going to CME, it was just like I saw the need for it. I saw the use for it. I find myself reading Mm-hmm. you know, going back to those books and reading mm-hmm. in a way that I didn't look at it as holistically as a student, which I wish I did. Yeah. So um, it's like, how can I almost weave this acupuncture, osteopathic acupuncture approach yes. mm-hmm. to healthcare? Because I'm like, the science is definitely there. It's not woo-woo. Um, mm-hmm. It actually seems, I remember something you said on your podcast, because I'm definitely a fan, so I'm, I'm, I'm 
fangirl and I'm oh, just trying I love to it. Thank so you. down. <laughs> I really like the way you talked about the health of all things and you put osteopathic principles in that broader scope that um, it really, really did touch me. And it kind of was like, okay, this is reinforcing that our training was complete. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a board certified osteopathic family physician. This is part of my board mm-hmm. certification, my training. And it can weave in in a beautiful way, whether or not you're doing HVLA on every patient. And so I kind of try to use it as my, one of my treasure hunts. Mm-hmm. You know, satisfaction, like, ooh, I think I found a Chapman point on that patient at abdominal <laughs> pain. Or let me look at my five-minute osteopathic guy as I'm doing this workman comp. Just finding it, the joy in it, the play in it. Um, mm-hmm. Even when I'm busy, and it, that's been a joy over the years to keep falling in love with it, it and finding ways to apply it practically and use it to give clues to what's going on. Like I, it was like, aha, literally when I was studying for boards, which I, that's my research la, la, uh, mm. last year. Oh, it was man, like, mine's coming up next year. <laughs> I know. This is why they were so hung up on the visceral somatic reflexes. It wasn't just a thing. It's like, these <laughs> give you clues about chronic disease. This is so cool. But I didn't mm-hmm. think about it like that. I was just, cramming for a test. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, ooh, this person has Chapman points on the IT band and they're having symptoms of IBS. Like Mm -hmm. the body is giving me clues about what's going on. But I had to learn how to scan an ear for acupuncture. Like the body was already giving clues. Mm -hmm. So it's um, a long story short. I'm still developing how you kind of become, how do you make this an entrepreneur effort but it has helped renew the love and the fascination that I have about health, about medicine, that the body really does tell us a lot. And, you know, now looking for signs of stuck energy and where are we not in flow. And that ties back into what I listened to in your podcast about the health of all things, us as a unit, cellularly, as a system. And it's like, where are we stuck and what can we do to move that flow? And, um, you know, when we're not connected to ourselves, it's hard for us to connect to each other. It's mm-hmm. hard for me to connect to my, my patients if I'm out of it, if I'm sick, if I'm off, if I'm burnt out, to, to really hear and be present with them. It's hard for me to do that at home with my kids or my, my spouse or your family, for that matter, or friends. It, it trickles down in so many ways that we're seeing it in this pandemic. We're seeing this, the civil unrest. We're seeing that, you know, the fragility of our economic system because something's off. And it's just exciting to think that osteopathic principles and practice could be um, part of the, the answer. Yes. No, that's so beautiful. I want you to just keep talking. You're saying all the things <laughs> and, and hearing it reflected in such an amazing way. And I like to think about time is a spiral. And it was actually a commencement address by a high school senior. And she was relating that and how we keep coming back around to things, right? So it's not just linear. We don't just go from point A to point B. It's like we circle around and we think about starting at the inside, right? And so it gets expansive, like that spiral gets bigger as we go. And so you had that foundation, right? You started in osteopathic medicine on your journey as a physician. 
And then you keep cycling back through it in different ways. And I love how you're tying it in to these other practices, right? So in acupuncture, you don't replace it. You don't say, oh, now I'm going to do acupuncture and leave it. It's like, no, now I weave it in and they're both stronger for it. And I worked, one of my rotations as a resident was with um, Keith Swan in Boulder, Colorado, a DO who was doing acupuncture and OMT really beautifully, right? Every patient would kind of get both and he would intertwine them and one wasn't predominant. It was just a way to complement one another. And the same with EFT, right? Now you're seeing it in a whole other way where it expresses itself. And that's so powerful. I wonder, especially in this time of COVID for me, you know, my practice closed, you know, so we didn't, we couldn't be in person because of PPE preservation. And I'd always been saying, it's not about the OMT, right? Mm. Which is hard to believe because for me, that was my primary tool. But I'm like, osteopathy is, you know, it's the principles, it's the philosophy, it's the way you listen. And so you can be osteopathic, even if, right, your hands are tied, you know, quite literally now. And how are you seeing that? Maybe, especially through the EFT, how are you seeing that expand where you can still be very osteopathic with your patients, even if, right, you're not able to touch them in that moment or apply OMT because of the billing, you know, recommendation. How do you notice that? Well, and that and that was kind of the workaround I, I started to do in practice. It's like nobody said I can't teach you something. So, you know, even with the ear, nose and throat, because my, I guess, primary job is urgent care. So things like um, reviewing effleurage with uh, a parent, um, rib raising, um, I think I and then I and I also started between undergrad and med school, I did public health. Mm-hmm. So I still have that thing of wanting to teach, educate, hey, you're having an asthma flare. These are some things you could do. Let's talk about dome in the diaphragm, you know, showing a partner or a parent uh, and the patient things helps to build that self-efficacy and reviewing what to look for and when is it time to go straight to the emergency room and do you have a primary care doctor? So I try to say I do little mini structural exams. Like I said, mm-hmm. use it as a treasure hunt. What can I find? And then um, what can I instruct them in so that that can, you know, uh, the mesenteric release or things like if a child's constipated. I mean, obviously talking about fiber, but let's how we're going to move this poop, basically. Mm-hmm. And the parent is engaged because they don't want to pay another bill. They don't have to come back if they don't want to. Uh, especially if I hear this is a patient that I don't normally come to their urgent care. I don't like taking a bunch of medicine. I try to use that as an incentive to say, well, these are ways we can reduce this. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, things that we can show and believe it or not. Well, with, I think with the increase in the pandemic, because I was surprised in urgent care, how much we still talk about things like anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. and self care, you know, because I, I think it's, both are teaching me to listen to what people are saying and what they're not saying mm-hmm. and hearing that this person might've been in a time of stress. And then um, it's interesting. I see this a lot when people come in with for laceration repair, what is leading up to that injury? Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a time of, they were in a space of joy, looking forward to something and then it's like they have this accident that brought them, that grounded them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like, and I read this book, the, uh, the Big Leap. It's almost like they were having an upper limit. And then mm-hmm. the injury came to bring them back to earth. Or I fell, I was at my mom's 60th birthday party and then I fell. But 
you know, I was anxious about seeing my older siblings talk about how much weight I gained. You know, things like that. So it's like even those are a little bit longer because sometimes the last your parent could take, depending on what it is, 30 minutes versus a five or 10, 15 minute visit. It gives you a chance to get a piece of somebody's story and what led up to that. And it's just been interesting now that I've key into it more that either there was something they were anxious about or something that was very joyful. And mm. then this thing happened that kind of brought them back, grounded them back down. Mm-hmm. So, and also dealing with the emotions of the injury. It's like, as I'm finishing the, the laceration, it's like, you can see them feel overwhelmed. Like, did this really just happen? And what about my plans and this and that? And I'm like, I want you to know that you're safe. You're not the first person we've treated today with this. We probably won't be the last. And I guess that in that encounter, people feel vulnerable. And then there's an ability to connect with them and help them to feel safe. And that we're here to support them. I'm not here to judge you. You know, I'm not going to say, why did you come? Even if it's 7.55 p.m. and we close at 8. This is an opportunity to explain that this is how your body needs to heal and we're here in present. So um, it's been, that's been interesting, but I definitely weave it in because I enjoyed primary care. I had a lot of connection with my patients. I enjoyed the continuity. I enjoyed the teaching. But um, I also, like you talk about constraint and expansion, mm-hmm. I needed to constrain some of the excess time that you have to, the, the uncompensated work yeah. time. Mm-hmm. to be able to work at work and let home and other ventures be home. So I try to enjoy and soak in those encounters where I connect with the patient, even though it's brief, and also enjoy the fact that when I walk out, I can let go and I can mm-hmm. now reconnect with my children that I've been away from for those that 12-hour shift. Yeah. So it's not a perfect solution. I'm still trying to find how to work in my true zone of genius where I can Mm -hmm. put all of it together. But I'm using this time to one, build up my skills in urgent care, uh, suturing and laceration repair. And frankly, really going back to my musculoskeletal roots Mm -hmm. and, you know, range of motion testing and things like that. So this is a time of discovery. And I find that for me, when I'm in this discovery, that's more play for me. So even though the, the shifts can be grueling it's enjoyable because I feel like I'm being a little bit more stimulated um and it's not as um it doesn't follow me home as much as say when you're the primary care doctor and you're on call and you know the mountain of paperwork it's a little um so I I get to have more interaction with the patient but less paperwork so that's Mm -hmm. been a win um sounds like a win yeah yeah (laughs) also the expansion of then because I don't have as many contractual constraints and, you know, not working five days a week, it's allowed me to do things like this um, and kind of start growing my brand uh, and my podcast and things like that. So it's been, you know, growth is painful. It brings up stuff, but in kind of saying I can't be everything to everybody and start asking myself questions, not just what do I have to do, but what do I want to do? I feel like that is allowing me to get a little bit more in tune with myself and show up with a little more gratitude. It's like, hey, I know I was booked from eight to eight, so I'm not going to 
complain about it. I put in the days I wanted to work and most of these days I got. So I'm here and I've accepted that and I'm present here and I know my kids are safe at home and, and I'll get back to them and I get to focus on them. So that was a journey because um, as you talk about burnout, it's real. Mm-hmm. And we all have our journey with it. Like it's it's not if it happened, it's when. And right. um, sometimes you find you have to work in a, a different way, have a different mindset to work, a different work in a different way. And I always try to work on my mindset and see what can I do to make this situation optimal for me before considering leaving. Mm-hmm. And so I did, did do work with some coaches. First, Dr. Dyke Drummond when I was in the VA. Mm-hmm. And it, at least it helps you to know if you're going to start looking for something, what are the things that are my non-negotiables? What do I really need? Because you don't know. I didn't know at the end of residency what I would need. My life situation is different. By the time I left that job, I had three children. And then now I have five. So what I needed as a resident that was single with no children is different than what I need now. And then we just all grow and change. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. But really, I like a concept I really like when you said contract and expansion. I'm trying to work on contracting some other yeah. things. <laughs> but expanding because when you kind of constrain some of those choices, it opens up so much more. And then um, opening up my um, asking for help is a hard thing for a lot of physicians to do. Admitting that, you know what, I'm a DO, but I need to learn more about <laughs> I need to keep growing my knowledge. I don't Mm want to just have the DO degree, but not really understand it and and feel like, did I miss the bus? Can I still learn it later in attending life? Um, Because I was like on the, I was, uh, frankly, I was a remediated osteopathic resident. Like Mm -hmm. they were like, you're not getting enough patients and we need you to get more. But in a way, it was kind of like a, uh, uh, uh. you know, because some of the other DO residents were like fellows in their school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fellow. But you know what? In a way, that was a blessing because it got me more FaceTime with the director. So it's like I learned more and yeah. I was grateful to her. I said, you know, you made sure that I left this program, not just a you know, certified family doctor, but an osteopathic family physician. And I, mm-hmm. I appreciate her. I appreciate that till this day. Yes. So it's like, even that was kind of like, oh, I feel like I'm like the, the kid that's lagging behind, the last kid picked. Mm-hmm. But you can always turn something around to a positive. And um, those pain points, it's like, hmm, something's going on here. Yeah. Essentially, let, let me let me get into that. Um, but I don't know if that answered your question. No, that's great. I have so many pieces in there I want to expand on. But I think that last piece, when you learn by intention instead of default, <clears throat> it'd be interesting to know how your classmates who are fellows, right? Are they expanding into it still? You know, or because if you already come to it in a knowing space, and I'm not saying it's not possible, right? right? But there are plenty who might have had that background and felt like, well, I've already done it, right? You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've learned enough. And I don't need to learn more. And so those opportunities to learn in an intentional way can ingrain it differently. And because you're coming to it now, you know, I remember with my residents when I was a program director, I would take them to anatomy lab and we did that, right? Like we learned anatomy as we Mm -hmm. needed to, but we could go back as a senior resident who was doing musculoskeletal medicine, 
they were like, oh, wow, you know, like now look at this now and this is what I'm doing. And it was such a different experience. So I think it's totally okay and great, right, to come back to it again with life experience, with this new lens of acupuncture, with the new lens of EFT, because you want to, right? And you can see directly, I'm applying this to my patients because in school, it's kind of like, am I, you know, or is it just another test that I'm taking? But when we can say, oh, this is a tool to help me connect to these people and to empower them, to teach them, you know, and that's one of your missions for empowering women in that way, then we learn it with so much more vigor when we're doing it in that way. What I wanted to say about your urgent care experience, which was, it spoke to me on so many levels. And uh, now that we want the people of St. Louis to need the urgent care, but I'm so happy for them that when they do, (laughs) they can be met with such perception and welcome and validation because it is scary because you're Mm -hmm. there one, you're scared about the financial piece because you assume anytime you're going to any kind of urgent or emergent care, it's going to cost you some thousands of dollars, right? So that can be its own scariness in the time of COVID. Am I going to step into this place? and get sicker, right? Cause I'm seeing them a laceration. You know, I actually just took my 13 year old and I did a Facebook live on this. I was trying to remember if it was a podcast episode, but he had set it up. Right. And so I was having a joyful evening. He was having a not joyful evening and he ended up <laughs> slicing his leg open, but through the experience we were able to connect. Right. So he and I spent the two hours together waiting to have his, you know, sutures applied. And the person who took care of him was very empathetic, right. And made that connection because he was having a major sympathetic response. He never had stitches before. Yeah. He's freaking out. And to hear how you speak to those patients, I could see how powerful that is for them, right? Because for you, it might be very basic, you know, but for them, if it's their first time, you know, to sort of destigmatize yeah. that it's scary and that's okay, that you, it's okay to be worried about the scar. It's okay to be thinking about it, but to hold space for what happens around it is so key because then they can know that they don't have to intertwine those things forever because they're going to look at that scar and if it's always going to bring up, you know, whatever it was that was going on for you to identify that for them. That's huge. Right. And that's osteopathic a hundred percent. You know, you've said like my body spirit right here. And so my hope, right. I would love to be received that way in an emergent or urgent situation. And that's huge. And to, and to have that allow you then to have time for your children. Right. So you probably can show up differently in that space because you know, okay, I'm dedicated to this when I'm here and I'm free of it when I leave. Right. And it allows you to be present. So all of that was so amazing. That leads into kind of the structure and function piece, right? Because you saw Mm -hmm. that you needed some boundaries right around your time for your life to work better. And I love what you said in working with Dr. Drummond, get happy where you are before you change it. Right. It's like optimize what's happening before you decide to leave. And how do you see that structure or maybe even further helping you with the function of your life personally and professionally? Well, you know, I say it's, it's, a, it's a, process, a spiraling process, mm-hmm. but definitely I can tell when there's no structure, the function is, when the structure is off, the function is off. Um, and working with people like Dr. Dr. Urachuku, uh, Dr. Nana Corsa, Dr. Omolara Uedimo, Uedimo, you know, learning more about myself, my strengths, and kind of what my needs are. It's like for this season of my, my life, I was like, I really have optimized and try to do all the tricks to be quicker charting. But I just, what if I just didn't have to chart this way? Like, mm-hmm. what if it's a more brief appointment, use a template, and you're done with it? So it was kind of, but the, I had to walk through that. Well, what can I do? 
um, to if I need a job where there's a non-compete. So if I want to have my own business or work more than one place, I'm able to do that. But I had to walk through, is it possible? Well, what do I really, what would I really need if there wasn't constraints? And Mm -hmm. then those ideas started to come up because I was looking more within than, well, what are they going to let me do? It's like, Mm -hmm. and then that also with the structure is understanding more of these contracts. And a lot of us come out and we don't understand the importance of contract negotiation and that this is the agreement that you're going to be held to if anything goes down, Mm -hmm. if if you're an employee position, Um, even the contracts you might have with vendors or independent, you know, we in medicine, a lot of us don't have a business background or legal background and everybody is rushing you to hurry up and sign. Um, You just sign because I need a job Mm -hmm. and you don't realize that that negotiation time, you're going to take your time and go slow with it. Let a lawyer who understands physician contracts because a lot of our colleagues now are really being held at the neck Mm -hmm. by, by, contracts and, and what's happening with COVID, like you said, something that you would have thought is a steady situation, people in specialties that they thought were recession-proof, foolproof, mm-hmm. are unemployed or underemployed or losing benefits. You know, we had months where we didn't have our full number of shifts, and that's a big dent mm-hmm. that you're not expecting. And you don't expect illness, and you don't expect, you know, so many things um, I'm trying to work in my personal life to improve um, structured function as far as um, routine and making self-care part of the routine, which is difficult. Um, trying to improve structure in uh, what I'm putting in the body, mm-hmm. <laughs> both physical food and spiritual. And yeah. because I know that those things help the um, function um, and, and the structure Um as far as my children being home, for example, virtual schooling, having to create structure for work them spaces, to be yeah. <laughs> um, and routine in the day. So things flow professionally, um, working on scheduling time to record my own podcast, Victoria's Working Moms, and uh, to be a guest to, you know, share my own message because that has been a stuck energy for me. And, um, for example, I've always, since childhood, I've always had issues with headaches, so tension, migraine, and now I'm understanding more that my energy is stuck in my head, and mm. I have to do more grounding and centering and moving. It's like I need to let my creativity out more. It's getting I'm too much in my head, and I didn't think like that a year or two ago, but I'm understanding more that okay, scheduling that time to daydream to put out a live stream to do a voice memo those are things that are helping me tap into my zone of genius to be in flow and everything doesn't have to be a fight I'm trying to embrace ease and abundance more so being aware of okay I didn't make time to exercise I didn't plan what I was going to eat I didn't stop to pray I haven't read no mantra. Like I'm seeing the areas where I'm getting stuck and then I'm feeling, mm-hmm. ooh, I feel my silly gang, you on tender point again. <laughs> feeling all my TV, you know, I'm a heartburn. Yeah. Catch, I have a headache. It's like my body is signaling things and I'm trying to go back to the basics because it helps me to function better, 
helps me to be in flow. And then it cre- more opportunities open up such as this. It's like, um, if I'm open, if I'm disciplined on certain things and I'm letting things move inch by inch, then it's like think other stuff opens up because I'm signaling something out. You know, when you're clear, it's like, oh, that's what, um, for example, you know, we both work with Dr. Una and it's like mm-hmm. being very clear. It's just p- confused, confusion. People don't buy when they're confused. Right. Well, I don't know what it is that you do. So I don't know how to engage in it. But when you're like, mm-hmm. this is this, it's like, oh, okay. I get it. I understand it. Um, it's it, And it's a journey. And it's kind of like, as I'm embracing it more, and even when I micro quit on it and then recommit, <laughs> um, you're still moving forward. And then I see how, as I set boundaries, for example, I say, mommy has a call. Okay. And first is, why don't you people know that I, I need space? You know, <laughs> you start boundaries as part of structure and function. Yeah. Being able to say, well, this is what I need. And this is what I want to be able to work at my best, having to be aware of that and then let other people know what I need and then to build that support. Everybody is, um, is healthier and happier. Uh, and it's definitely been a, a journey to say that of, of self-love, of self-worth, of not being so afraid of not getting it right. And um, it's better to, be a deal that's trying to grow in osteopathic principles mm-hmm. than just be a deal in name only, you know, how much more the patients and what I, I get out of it. It's, it's mm-hmm. more satisfying. So, um, yeah, I definitely f- feel that it affects not just structure and, and function. If it affects flow and ease and, um, and letting go and letting energy flow. I think that's so important and so helpful. And one thing I want to expand on in there, you mentioned this amazing network. You had an all-star lineup. You just listed in there of women physicians you're working with, you know, to help yourself in this time. And that it can be challenging to ask for help. But right, we find those people who offer help from this empowering way, this inspirational way, this transformational way. It's almost like you can't wait, right? You can't wait to hear what they have to say. And like, yes, you know, I'll do more and I'll help you and you help me. So tell me a little bit about that, because you mentioned the connection piece and being connected first to yourself. Obviously, you're connected to your family. You're finding ways to stay connected to patients, even in a less you know continuity-based setting. But maybe tell me especially about these leaders, these mentors that you have found that have helped you, particularly in this time. Because I know for me, I think it's been the make or break, right, of yeah. these last six months. And I wouldn't even postulate because it, it is how it is, right? It's perfect yeah. because it's how it's happening right now. Yeah. Uh, thinking about this network that's been offered to me or that I've stepped into has been really life-changing. And maybe share a little bit about that. Cause I think about that unity of body, mind, and spirit, but also about the unity mm-hmm. among us, right? Yeah. That we are united in that way. And so tell me about that, how that's really been transformative for you. Yeah. I mean, love and belonging is a human need. And so, you know, as we're trying to regulate ourselves emotionally, our nervous system, um, co-regulation is also important. And it's hard to, it was a time where I was just like, I pray and I'm just like, God, I need help. I need to see other women doing what I'm trying to do. Like I maybe wasn't seeing it readily in my own closer, I needed to widen my circle. So just 
one thing I did, I, I was on maternity leave. I should come out youngest is 18 months. I was listening to Aaron, Dr. Aaron Weissman, fellow DM, mm-hmm. um, her podcast. And I started following her guests on, on Facebook and LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Like, I just need to up level. Like, okay, mm-hmm. here what this person is talking about. This, this spoke something to me. I just tried to be more on the lookout. I brought in what I was listening to as far as like podcasts. And I just, I wanted my Instagram to be more aspirational. I just needed to get encouragement and see examples of people doing things like, you know, and, and this is no, nothing against women that don't have children, but I needed to see female entrepreneur moms. I like, I need to know that well, I with five kids, it's possible mm-hmm. to do this. And we're, you're three or with two and see that, hey, you're still in clinical practice or you still got a leg in and you're doing these things. I just needed that encouragement that it's possible and that if you're talking about certain things, it's not so foreign and, you know, know that I don't know. And it's, you know, we wouldn't expect athletes like LeBron James or Serena Williams to just do it on their own or YouTube it, you know, there's the president has a cabinet, you know, everyone has advisors, nobody goes into a war without advisors. So why do we think that as physicians, I mean, we see consultations for our patients. Why do we think that we're above that? And I, oh, I, love I that. was just like, yeah, I just felt stuck. And I was like, I need help. I don't know how to go about this and not add to my burnout and I just, every person gave me something different. Like Dr. Dyke Drummond at that time was a new attendant. And I just needed to kind of learn how to not think like a resident anymore and think like a mm-hmm. doctor and, you know, uh, kind of unlearn some of the things we learn in training, frankly. Mm-hmm. And so that was helpful. And then, and then also therapy. You know, sometimes you need to know why you're doing what you're doing and you need an action plan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I need an action plan for the present and I need to understand why, you know, the root of it too. Um, Which I think a lot of us do because when you're finding that it's hard to cope or it's affecting your functioning, especially in times of transition, which like I finished residency, I got married, I started having kids. I'm in a new city. I'm an attendant. It, It was so much new in my life that I was like, I don't know... I didn't know how to shift my identity from what I was to what I needed to be to be successful mm-hmm. and, and cope with it. And that's hard. Like when people are like, oh, that, that physician burnout. What are we supposed to do about your burnout? How am I supposed to know what you want? I think it's give people a chance to explore and express what they need. Like sometimes you got to not just vent, but get more strategic. Well, I don't have strategy on how to deal with the 80 charts that's waiting for me at the end of the day and I'm sleep deprived and I'm up nursing a baby and, you know, my partner or my family members think I've, you know, I've hit the big time and they don't understand the pressure of it all. And just the energy that goes out when you, when I had to, like you said, holding space because I would absorb everything the patients say and I'd be worn out. It's just like, ugh. You know, I was so good to the patient and it's like, kids go to sleep. And I was like, this doesn't balance well because the, the patient can get another doctor. Mm-hmm. But these kids, what I'm doing is going to imprint on them. And when I heard other physicians talk about it and know that you're not a bad person, 
and being stuck is not a sin and there's something you can do about it and giving yourself permission to say, I don't know, and receive help and know that, yeah, there's blinders that I have on Mm -hmm. um, and feeling as victimized. It's like when I left my uh, previous position and they were like, well, you know, I said, I, I get where you're going. I just know within myself, I'm not going there. Like the, I, we were sitting in a, in a, in a faculty uh, staff meeting and they were like, a department meeting rather, we want this company to run like Amazon. I was like, mm. uh, <laughs> I'm going to start looking on the <laughs> yeah. but I had to know myself well enough that it's not so personal. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to come here and change the culture of this organization. I'm going to just take my graceful exit and say, thank yeah. you for the, the time that I got to spend. And I, and I, I still do PR in there. You know, if I want to, and I still, um, knowing like, when it's a mismatch, right? Sometimes it's just not a match. Yeah. Like, I mm-hmm. don't think that I'm getting, I don't think we're going to be a hit and it's okay. I say that to say it's so important and you know, burnout is real. And unfortunately physicians suicide is real mm-hmm. and having lost a friend from med school very early in our career mm-hmm. because you felt like a quote-unquote failure and mm-hmm. a, a, a frankly a toxic yeah. unethical workplace people are suffering in silence and we internalize all that and then we're trying to push ourselves to meet standards that are frankly aren't human mm-hmm. something has to give and um i think the younger generation of doctors are frankly i think they're pushing back probably more than Mm-hmm. we did like oh, I need my paternity leave it that doesn't work for me I need job sharing mm-hmm. I need this I need that they learn to negotiate they know their worth and um medicine is a wonderful field but we have to make it wonderful for us mm-hmm. and remember that in a lot of these corporations people will come in make all these changes for everybody and after two years they're gone they they mm-hmm. moved on to the next. Like right. we will stick somewhere forever. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're yeah. like, Whoop, I'm gone before you, you get an email. Like, oh, I've taken a position somewhere else in another state. And it's like you raised all this dust for nothing. So, mm-hmm. but there's been a lot of learning steps. I'm like, it's different being a resident and then having to learn how to be the leader. Even if you're not technically the leader, you are the leader. Like you guys are using my license to run this mm-hmm. place. So yeah. I do have the final say what happens with said license mm-hmm. you know what I mean um and but that could be a good thing but I had to keep doing the inner education about myself what are my strengths like doing the strengths test yeah. what things light me up what are the things that mm, that's not so much my wheelhouse and we all, all have that ability to know that about ourselves we don't know how important we are you know if you don't come to work somebody feels that Mm-hmm. it's not just like oh it's no no it's a big deal it's a big yeah. deal <laughs> they need yeah. that license but even more important our life means something and it's more than a one-line email and I um I think now I don't take the corporate stuff as personal as I used to I feel like there if you have your structure then you can withstand that structure the problem mm-hmm. is a lot of us we haven't built our own structure and we put a lot of trust in these businesses and corporations mm-hmm. to take care of us and meet our needs. And they're just like, honey, you just signed a contract. What the hell? <laughs> it's like, 
Yeah, your hopes and dreams, that's your business. <laughs> and if you don't feel like you have a job that allows you time for those, and, and everybody's not trying to run a business, or if you don't feel like you can be an entrepreneur, like some people get frustrated. I want to do good work. I have good ideas and I'm not allowed to be in my zone of genius. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you need to do to be able to grow, glow and grow? What do you yeah. need at home? Because sometimes it's like, hey, you might just need a nanny, a cleaning lady and, you know, a hard mm-hmm. conversation with your partner. You know what I mean? <laughs> like sometimes it's not always work, but it's how we're showing up in our lives. And a big thing I've been trying to push through personally is getting through victimhood. It's mm-hmm. very alluring. And I feel like I'm a victim of the med school. I'm a victim of this. I'm a victim of that. And I'm, and I'm, no, no, no. I'm not saying that abuse doesn't happen. Right. You know, hear me good. I just said my name is Dr. Naka Ichoku. <laughs> I am a woman, a black woman, a, a child of Nigerian immigrants, like, There are the things and we can all name Mm -hmm. them. And it's very real. It's very real. But what can I do to build my confidence, to show up for me, to speak up for me, for my patients, and frankly, for those that are coming after us? Because um, I told Dr. Aaron Weissman, you know, thank you for what you're doing to give us a voice and a platform and how beautiful this is archived that women going through medical school and residency, they don't have to go it as blindly as we, you know, some of us did because not everybody has a built-in mentor Mm -hmm. or that support in-house. And like with the osteopathic life, you're bringing osteopathy to life. And frankly, for me, being an attendant already and listening and getting to weave it in in my own way and feel like, well, I'm weaving some of the principles. I got something integrative already. (laughs) You know, it's encouraging to, it's encouraging Mm -hmm. to me and to us because sometimes you feel like, well, I wasn't a fellow. I didn't do neuromuscular medicine or I don't have a bunch of DOs in my town. Mm -hmm. You feel left out like you're not in the osteopathic in crowd. And -hmm. frankly, we need osteopath to be inclusive because we need those principles for everybody. Yeah. We need to cast that net wider in mm-hmm. recruitment and and carrying it out because we you know the root cause for a lot of things. And the cost of healthcare is skyrocketing because we're relying on heavily on tests and we're getting away, especially right now, from touching people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It takes a lot for somebody to be physically touched by another yeah. human being. And you know yeah. that therapeutic touch is so important. And then we don't want it to become a class thing where only wealthy people can afford to get an exactly. in-person exam. <laughs> now that Medicaid and Medicare are covering um, telemedicine, mm-hmm. what is going to happen? I mean, you probably know better than me in being in policy. What happens to, mm-hmm. you know, osteopathic manipulation? Yeah, What happens a- to those things? Because... I know it is challenging. Well, I think you've answered so beautifully our final question, how you see yourself for the health of all things in that last statement, hearing how you're empowering women, how you're advocating for the boundaries, how you're networking with 
all these leaders and honoring that. I think it's all so beautiful. And in the time we have left, I want to make sure my listeners can find you. And I think we'll have you back because we could have conversations oh. for days, which has been so yeah. great. And how can people find you? What is your podcast so they can listen there as well? Okay. Our podcast is the Victorious Working Moms Podcast. It's on iTunes and Google and a bunch of places where you can listen to podcasts. Um, I'm on Instagram, uh, Victorious Working Mom, at Victorious Working Mom. And uh, my Facebook uh, page is Neka Ichoku, D-O-M-P-H. And then um, Victorious Touch Acupuncture has a Facebook page as well. I'm also on LinkedIn at Neka Ichoku, uh, D-O. I want to thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Part of that journey is, you know, somewhat trying to help my former self um, to feel that safety, emotional and um, safety in our bodies to connect to ourselves so that we have an inner structure to really function properly and, and own our power, not in a way to overpower somebody, but to be able to show up and stand up. And, mm-hmm. and hold our space. I just think in years of primary care, a lot of those physical manifestations of emotional and sometimes spiritual issues, being the gateway, being the urgent care, the primary care person, a lot of times you're the gateway to the mental health and talking about mind, body, spirit. So I've always, after you've made sure they haven't had a heart attack and their thyroid's okay, now what? And that's kind of what got me onto the journey of wanting to continue the conversations outside of the exam room on the the prevalence of, of chronic stress. And especially in uh, professional working moms, high-functioning women, because we carry the weight of the world and it's very hard for us to um, reach out for help. And we tend to be the support people for everybody else. I'm not excluding the guys right. at all. I just, <laughs> I had to speak from my place of experience that I find if you reach out to the woman, you tend to catch the whole family because we tend to be the heart of the home. So that was kind of, I felt like the truest voice I had to um, speak from. So That's I want to weave my acu- osteopathic acupuncture principles yeah. into that and still keep it fun and conversational. I think you are doing it. I can't wait to see how it continues <laughs> to expand and grow. And I'd love to have you back again yes. soon. And I definitely so keep much. listening to Osteopathic Life. Thank you so much for having me. I love it. This is a great. A thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of This Osteopathic Life, Conversations for the Health of All Things. Please take a moment to like, rate, and review the podcast And if you would like to be featured as a guest or know someone who you'd like to nominate as a guest for an episode, please let me know at thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com. Visit the website at thisosteopathiclife.com or visit me on Instagram and Facebook at thisosteopathiclife. Thank you so much for listening.